I didn't think this was going to be hard. <laughs> but it is hard. <clears throat> Thank you all for your prayers this past week. <clears throat> for our little girl <laughs> who had surgery. If you don't know, our 25-year-old daughter had brain surgery this past week. She came through it great. She's doing great. She's uh, up and about a little bit. And she's home, so we're praising God for that. And um, God is good, you know. And prayer matters. And we felt that this past week. And we spent a lot of time in it. Um, you know, when I was a kid, <clears throat> let me transition here. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember anytime I wanted to ask my parents for something or like to spend the night at somebody's house. You know, my parents are pretty weird about that. Well, not weird, it's pretty normal now, but uh, to be cautious. But Anytime I wanted to ask them a question, I had to get myself ready, right? I wanted to say the exact right thing. And I wanted to come to them at the exact right moment. Like if I heard my dad aggravated, stomping around the house, that wasn't the time. So I would plan and plot out what I was going to say, how I was going to say it. And I made the mistake uh, of kind of trying to call them out at first few times by saying, you know, Hey, remember how you promised that I could go to it? Oh, no, that didn't work with my parents. My father took that as a challenge. So I ended up coming. They said no so often that I'd come to them just total humility, like, you guys don't want me going over to Steve's house, right? So I would just already surrender to the, to, the, to the no. But our Heavenly Father is not like that. We don't have to plot and plan on coming to Him. He calls us to come to Him. He calls us to come to Him and cast our cares on Him, to uh, lay down our efforts, our religiosity, give it all to Him, surrender to Him. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to come with our struggles and all those things. And last week we talked about all the, throughout Scripture, we see that God desires us to come to Him in prayer over and over again. His word tells us that he hears us. He hears when you pray and he responds when you pray. And when we go to our Heavenly Father in prayer, it changes us, whether we know it or not. It changes us. And so this morning, we're going to wrap up our uh, series Q&A with Christ with a message entitled How to Pray. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6. Last week we were in Luke. This is another account of that same uh, interaction, uh, but just from uh, this perspective, a little more detail here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We're going to see where Jesus, a little context, he has been praying. His disciples saw him praying, and they came to him and said, teach us how to pray. And so this is his response. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Jesus says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you hear us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to cry out to you. You call us to come to you, Lord. You hear us and you answer us. You respond and you change us, God. 
Lord, this morning, we come seeking your face once again. God, may we leave changed as we hear your word, as your spirit applies it to our hearts. May we be doers and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you heard the title, How to Pray, I hope, uh, I hope you didn't think, oh, great, we're going to get the magic words. You know, we're often looking for the magic words. It's going to open up the box of blessing, right? Or we're going to get, it's going to open up the yeses from God, much like I hoped for when I was in the other room trying to figure out what exactly to say to my parents to get a yes. But the truth is what Jesus is teaching here is not how to pray with these exact words necessarily. He's not telling us necessarily what to say. Although at times I've prayed this prayer in worship at other times. But what Jesus is demonstrating to us is that it is the posture of the heart. It's about faith. It's about understanding who it is I'm coming to and why it is I come. It's understanding the truth of what is happening when I come to the throne of grace. And again, I mentioned this Last week, you know, a lot of times we we use words interchangeably. And a word that I've heard used interchangeably with prayer lately is meditation. Prayer is not meditation. See, meditation, uh, if you study meditation at all or, or, or know anybody that does it or has have done it, it's about centering on self, really. It's about getting myself in a good place, centering uh, myself on me and be so that I can be balanced, that I can be... Um, centered, right? Prayer is about centering on God. It's not even about the things that I'm bringing to God. It's about adjusting, reorienting my life to him. And so um, that's what Jesus is teaching. Um, I pray all the time, right? Walking through the streets of New York City, I'm praying all the time. Mainly I'm calling down cursings on people who are blocking the sidewalk. But No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's funny because a lot of us think that way. Um, Prayer is not some necessarily orchestrated ceremony, right, that we have to engage in. Scripture tells us pray without ceasing. A constant state of communion with God. It's speaking to and listening for God Almighty. And so you can pray a prayer as simple as, help me, Lord. (laughs) I use that one all the time. But it's about who I am praying to. It's when my faith is not in my cleverness of speech or the ability to wax eloquently, right? Jesus talked about that. But my faith in the one to whom I am coming. It's about God. It's about him first and foremost. Knowing that I'm heard. Knowing that he hears and answers. And so uh, let's take a moment and look at what Jesus teaches us about what it means to pray here. First of all, it means to come with a correct view of God. First and foremost, when we pray, we come with a correct view of God. We must. Verse 9, he starts off this prayer with, Our Father in heaven. Sometimes we get a little confused about this. We talk, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, um, about exactly who we're praying to. We come to the Father. That's what Jesus says here, right? Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 23, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name... He will give it to you. I I talked about last week a little bit. Uh, Sorry, last week is about prayer too, so these are linked together. How I grew up saying, in Jesus' name, amen, didn't have a clue exactly what I was doing, just kind of putting a stamp on there or something. But really what I'm saying is I'm coming 
in the power of Jesus' name. I'm coming by Jesus' righteousness, not by my own, God. I am praying this. I'm making my request known to you, and I can approach because of Jesus. It's also a thing to pray to Jesus. Remember Stephen, when he was stoned to death, he, he, he looked uh, to the sky and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So this demonstrates an intimate walk with Christ. We can pray to Jesus. We're communicating with him all the time. We can also pray to the Holy Spirit, asking him to lead us and to guide us. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit interprets our moanings, interprets our prayers for us to the Father as well. But remember, they are one, right? This is the Godhead Trinity. We are praying to one God. But Jesus here uses the uh, example, the primary communication is with our Father. So we come to the Father, that's right. It's kind of crazy. You know, we think about that. You know, I, I'll pray to Jesus because he's, you know, he's he's said he was my friend. He's, you know, kind of more intimate. God, the father wants us to come to him. Jesus made the way. To the father. And our view of God matters. That's why I spent a little time on this, because prayer has taken a beating lately. I don't know if you've noticed, because we rattle off things. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. My and, and, and people say, keep your prayers and all that. All of that comes from a misunderstanding of who God is. A misunderstanding of what is actually happening when I come to the Father in prayer. So it's important to understand and have the correct view of the Father. And so it's important to come to the Father in prayer, understanding who He is. Hebrews eleven six says, The one who comes to the Father must believe he is who he is. And so we don't come uh, reciting a packaged uh, prayer, but he wants us to know him. And that's why Jesus gives this prayer. It it is important who we pray to. Prayer prayer is not just a, a thing that bounces off the walls that we just use to calm ourselves down. If I pray to this piano, that's not really gonna do much good. There's not gonna be a whole lot of response. It's important that I know who I am speaking to. It's not because I have great words or I'm religious or I'm in church or any of those things. Who is God? And Jesus shows us a couple things about who God is right here. And first of all, he's our father. He uses that word pater in the Greek, which is literally father, our father. We approach God as the father who cares and loves us. This is what scripture says about how God, the love God has for us. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Praise God. Nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For some, of this, this is, for some of us, this is kind of a tainted view, though. You talk about Father. You talk about this song that we sang. It's so beautiful. We're singing about a good, good Father. We know in our own lives that wasn't my experience. Maybe my Father wasn't a good, good Father. And so when I think about Father and I think about this whole idea, it's cloudy for me, hurtful even. But here's the thing. Our fathers here on this earth, are merely temporary stewards of the relationship, of our relationship with them. They're temporary stewards of us. Who our Father is, is our Creator, our God. 
He is our Father. From Him came this structure of the family as well. And He shows Himself. He describes Himself as our loving Father. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says that He's a fatherless, father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. That's who God is in His holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Listen, my... my Earthly father is dead and gone. And so this past week, when I'm going through all this struggle, when I'm feeling the weight of the world and, and our family and, and your family and possibly what you're going through, whether your father's there, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. But the heavenly father places us, places the lonely in families. So there's a blessing right there. We had all of you praying for us. We pray for one another. God gives us family. He is our father. The Jewish people would see this as blasphemous in a lot of ways, in a personal way. Many of them came to believe they misinterpreted really what God's word was saying to them. They had taught that God was so transcendent that man couldn't experience any type of intimate relationship with him. He was unapproachable. Remember the Holy of Holies. Remember the, the, the veil there. Only the, only the uh, high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement. And really, that's what's comfortable for us as humans, right? It's more comfortable. When you start talking about God, I remember uh, one of our good friends who, who uh, came to church a couple years ago, and she would come to our Bible studies. I remember one time she had been with us for like two years, and finally in the Bible study, she goes, hold on a second. So you mean God wants a relationship with me? Yes. That's foreign to us. We don't even let other people in our space, right? We don't even, we're not even honest with one another. We have our guard up, and to let God Almighty, this idea that God knows me and knows everything about me, uh, uh, no, I'd rather put him in a box. I'll deal with him on Sunday. That's, that's enough. But God broke through all of that when Jesus came and died on the cross. Emmanuel, God with us. God is a personal God. He is a father. He desires a personal relationship with you. So we approach him that way. When we come in prayer, Yes, he's holy and mag magnificent, beyond anything we can comprehend. Yet he chooses to make himself known and accessible to us because he loves us, cares for us, because he is our father. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. He is our father. We have a right to approach the Most High God and call him Father. G.I. Packer says this in his book, Knowing God. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. So he, he introduces himself here. He shows us, come to God as Father, but also as Holy God. He says, hallowed be thy name there in verse 9. This, this word hallowed, a form of reverence, to set aside, to set apart, to be holy. God is to be honored above all things. The Jewish people won't, won't even say or write the name of Jehovah or Yahweh, right? On the Day of Atonement, the Jewish people pray 10 prayers and they'll say, Our King, 44 times. They guarded very carefully, sentimentalizing God. When we come to the Father, we affirm the fullness of who He is. When you come to the Lord in prayer, you recognize, yes, He's a loving Father, but He's not your homeboy. 
He is God Almighty and allows us to come boldly to His throne. He's the ultimate source that we come to for worship and for help. Hebrews 4.16, let us with confidence draw near to where? The throne. The throne of grace. We come with a sense of humility and reverence. And like I said, I pray all the time just walking through the street, Lord, help me. It's not that I have to have this King James English conversation with God, but it's I've set him apart in my heart as king, as God Almighty, right? That's what I've done. I've set him apart. And so when I come to him, I recognize that. It's not something I have to say every time. You know, I know that you're the best. I mean, I love singing these songs of worship. We It should well up within us. God, you are on your throne. You are almighty, holy God, because he is. That makes it even more amazing, the grace that he shows us to bring us as children to himself. We can take heart today that that in the fact that God who hears us, our Father, is holy and powerful, we know there's, there's confidence in that. God can handle any situation because he's sovereign. He is above all. He's able to meet our need. And then also we see here the Father's will is perfect. God's will is perfect. So when I come in prayer, I know that he has a better plan than what I could come up with. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, again, prayer is not centering on me. It's centering on God. Lord, I know you have a bigger plan here. I know you see what's going on when I can't. Listen, this morning, in every circumstance that you're in and that you'll face, in every conflict, in every struggle, in every uncertainty, there is a perfect, all-wise way through it. And that's God's way. He knows it. And so I come with a sense of humility and expectation that, God, you know the way around this. You know the way through this. Sometimes it's not what we expect, but we come to Him surrendering to His will Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He says, thy kingdom come. What what does that mean? Well, that's the gospel, right? The gospel is more than just a set of theological uh, understandings or doctrines necessarily. The gospel is God redeeming the world. Remember, Jesus stood in the temple. Excuse me, he said in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You read from the Scroll, the the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled. Why? Because that's what He came to do. He came to reestablish, He came to establish and to, to work the kingdom of God here, even on the earth. And so when we surrender to his will in our prayers and in our life, that's what he's seeking to do this year. Set at liberty those who are oppressed, recovering of sight to the blind. God has a plan and a purpose and it's a good one. And so we surrender to that when we pray. We come to him recognizing who he is and surrendering to his will. You notice there's no specific personal prayer request here yet. This is all set up by a correct view of who God is. And so some of you might be sitting there going, this sounds awful, you know, 
that's a little bit too much. God is more intimate. Yes, God is intimate. Yes, he hears our prayers. He wants us to dump our hearts at his feet. But we must come with a correct view of who it is we are approaching and who it is we are putting our faith in. And that takes me to this next part because it's about a relationship. And so we must come with a correct view of who God is, but also a correct view of who we are, a correct view of who I am. These next few verses, 11 through 13, talks about that. He says in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. See, this is, this is, this is how we reposture, how we reorient our hearts into dependence and faith in the Father. Most of us don't pray because we're busy doing this ourselves. I'm busy making, making it happen for myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the bills. I'm going to take care of my relationships. I'm going to... Do, go on vacation. I'm going to do all my stuff. I got to make that happen. But what prayer does is it stops me in my tracks and says, God, I fix my eyes on you. I know that ultimately you are the giver of every good gift. So what is the correct view of myself? Number one, I was created to be dependent. We were not created to be independent. Luke 12, 7, Jesus says, do not fear why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows you. He loves you. He wants you to come to him, to depend on him. Stop trying to carry it all on your own. We were created for that dependence. He says, come. Jesus says, ask. Give us this bread, God. Give us this bread. Help us. Lord, I have need. I have struggles. I have pain. Help me, Lord. Call out to him. Cry out to him. Depend on his goodness because he is dependable. So I'm dependent. I come to him realizing I'm dependent on him, but also I'm sinful. You come to the Lord realizing that I'm sinful. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Confessing sin is a daily part of keeping my life centered on Christ. I know this one's tricky because we don't like to, to hear about this, right? We don't like this part. If we're honest, it's not that we don't think we are sinful, and, and so don't like someone saying it. It's that we really don't like that about ourselves. We're working at getting rid of that. We're working on making ourselves better. So we don't like anyone telling us about it. We don't like to think about it. We know it. We are broken. We struggle. There are certain things in my life. There are certain temptations that I struggle with. Just don't bring it up. I'm working on it. Jesus says, no, stop. Bring and con- to the Lord. Bring it to the Father and confess it. The first step of being free from those chains is confessing it to the Father. That's what we do when we come to the Lord for salvation. We confess that we're sinners because, look, He knows it already. We're not hiding anything from Him. I remember when I was a teenager, I, I went out with some buddies like I would typically do, and we were messing around, and I had my dad's Camaro, and I took that thing, and we were down in Miami, we were messing around, it started raining, I started fishtailing, and I hit like a giant highway stop sign, and it totally bashed in the back quarter panel of my dad's Camaro. So when I got home, I thought it was slick, and I backed it into the driveway so that he couldn't see it from the front door or the front window, I backed it in. Like, I've, I've never done that before, so like, I thought that was a slick move. 
So I backed it in and I'm all day long. I felt guilty and I, I gave him his keys back and I didn't say anything about it. Finally that night I was trying to go to bed. I just couldn't sleep. I went to my dad and said, dad, I got to tell you something. So I let him know. He's like, yeah, I know. You think, you think you fooled me by pulling the car in backwards? That was like a red flag. Hello. He knew and he, he was pretty gracious. He said, well, start riding your bike now. Um, but God is a gracious God and he knows that we're sinful. We, we have to tell, we have to remind ourselves of that. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. When we come to the Father, He wants us to come with a humble heart and confess sin. He's a loving Father. He is righteous and holy and loving, and we can come and confess our sin to Him and be dependent on Him because He has made provision for our sins. If you're like me, there comes a time, especially when it's the same sin, over and over and over again. I, be, I begin to tell myself, God don't want to hear from you. You know, I get, a, I get a rush of guilt. God doesn't want to hear from you. Just save it. Maybe store some up. Do it every now and then so you, you fool yourself into thinking you might, you might have a handle on this. No, God says come. Confess. Bow before him. And the reason we can come with boldness with that is because, and that's the third point, we have a correct view of Jesus. Without a correct view of Jesus, we cannot come to the Father because otherwise we're depending on ourselves. When he says in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, it's not just something you ask for. It's something God, that forgiveness is something God has made provision for, for you and for me. God is a king. He's holy and perfect. Yes, we are sinful, but we can come to him because of Jesus. Jesus is the Savior, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, that's that part of God, the loving Father, that He gave, He made provision, His only Son. He took care of our sin. So when we come to Him in prayer, we come not on our own, not, not in our own strength, our own righteousness. We come. That's why we say in Jesus' name, it's just a reminder. It's not any magical stamp on our prayers. It's, you know what, God, I'm not coming here. I realize I'm, I'm not coming and my own strength. It's really a reminder for us. Jesus is the expression and demonstration of that love, right, that the Father has for us. But when it comes to being forgiven of our debts, it's because of Jesus. We can confess with humility, but also with confidence. We don't have to come groveling to God because we won't be turned away. We don't have to bear the shame of our sin. Jesus bore all of that on the cross. When we, when we come with our own shame, when we try to bear our own guilt, try to put a bunch of words to it, make it sound religious, what we're doing is we're saying, no thanks, Jesus. No thanks what you did on the cross. I'll take care of this. I'll earn this. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so that's true for salvation. Trusting Christ as a sacrifice for my sins, right? Not my own merit or goodness. But Christian, it's also a call to daily confession of sin. We fail. When we come to Christ for salvation, right? We recognize, we put our faith, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. But when we confess our sins to God on a daily basis, this is, these are a couple things that, that happen. Number one, I keep myself sensitive to the sin in my life and the pursuit of righteous living. There is a way in which to live this life that is pleasing to God. 
right? And so it keeps me on that path. It's not about guilt. It's not about bearing the guilt and the shame. It, it keeps me sensitive to those, those sins in my life. And you might be sitting there going, no, man, you're going way too far with that. Jesus took all the sin. Don't overthink. No, here's the deal. When I sin, I destroy. I may not have to go to hell for it, but I'm destroying the people around me. I'm destroying myself. So you can say, no, I got my get out of hell free card. I'm going to go ahead. I don't need to do that anymore. No, he tells us, come. He doesn't say that we have to ask for forgiveness again, but confess it. Be honest about it. So I keep myself sensitive to him. I also demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is indeed in me. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit moves in my heart and life. And so if I'm ever wondering, you know what? I wonder, is this real? Is Jesus real in my life? Well, what's the Holy Spirit's activity in your heart and life? Have you so quenched the Holy Spirit that you can't hear him? Or have you ever had the Holy Spirit in your life? Because he is a gift from the Father. Thirdly, I keep myself in a posture of humility before God but also before my fellow man. Listen, if you know somebody who claims to be a Christian and they're haughty and judgmental about their neighbor or brother or sister, it probably means that they don't spend a whole lot of time before the throne of grace confessing their sin and celebrating that they didn't pay for their sin. They didn't earn their right relationship with God. It was Jesus. And when you have that, when you're remembering that all the time, then it makes you more compassionate, gives you empathy for your neighbor. I've shared this before. When I was, when I was in South Alabama before I came here, you know, there was, everybody was kind of like me, right? So it was easy to talk about this and be like, yeah, that's right. But when I got here, everybody's not like me. So sometimes I'll walk into a coffee shop or I'll walk somewhere and somebody walks in that I'm just like, whoa, what is happening here? It looks like something is going on there that is totally foreign to to what I'm used to. Somebody's going through something or they're expressing themselves in a certain way. And before when I would go, ah, how dare they? What One thing God has done in me since I've been here in New York City is given me a compassion and an empathy to say, man, what, what are they struggling with? What are they going through? What is causing this? What is this causing this, this desire to be accepted and, and appreciated and loved? I, I know what that is because I've been there. We all have that. And so when I come before the Father, when I come before Him confessing my sin, realizing that it's Jesus who paid for my sin, not me, then that creates a humility in me. And like Paul, I can say, I am the chief of sinners, but I've been shown mercy. And that affects the way that I treat the people around me. So we come to God in prayer with a correct understanding of who He is and who we are. And ultimately, who Jesus is, who bridges that gap, that gives us the right to come to the Father. But finally, it gives us a, we need a correct view of the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How does God lead his children? Does he leave letters in the mailbox? No, he leads by his Holy Spirit. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. See, see, God has given us the Holy Spirit, his very presence. Every moment of every day, he speaks, he guides, he encourages. But also in regards to sin and temptation, 
He convicts. Jesus also said in, in John chapter 16, verse 8, And when He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit moves in my life to bring conviction, to bring um, leadership, to search my heart. And so when I pray, oftentimes I'll ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart. Search my heart. Reveal to me those things where I may be acting offensively. I may be hurting someone's feelings or I may be living in opposition to your will, Lord God. Holy Spirit, lead me. Help me to see those things. Make me sensitive to those things in my life. See, the Holy Spirit is a, is a type of conscience, right? But more than that, it's the, it's the actual whisper of God in my heart. Helps me to identify sin and also gives me a way out. The Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit of God is a gift, believer, this morning. Galatians 4, 6, I mentioned this earlier. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is crying out to the Father. He's crying out through us. He's giving us a desire. He's changing our desires. And here's the thing. You may be sitting here this morning and go, listen, I pray all the time. I don't feel anything. I don't hear. Because it's not about you. It's not. Your grip on your life is a mess. I can tell you that because I've been there. And I'm there most of every day. But it's a journey trying to let go of that and say, God, I want to be centered on you. I want to know your will. Guide me. And when I don't understand what you're doing, when I don't understand when the pain is focused on me and I've prayed that you would do something, help me to know, what is it you're trying to do in me? Because this has all gone past your desk before it hit me. So in conclusion, how, how do we pray? How do we approach God? Well, we come, first of all, with a correct view of who he is. A correct view of who we are. We come with humble hearts under the, the blood of Christ. Under His sacrifice, we can approach the Father. And He gives us His Spirit to guide and direct us. And so as you're praying, it's not about, like I said, the exact words to say. When I say, Lord, help me, all of this can be encompassed in that. Lord, help me. In my heart and in my mind, I know, God, you're the one to come to for this. You're the one that has the answer. You love me and care about me. You've promised that you're working all things out for my good. I'm trusting in you because you're my father and because you're holy and perfect. Your ways are higher than my ways. I can't figure them out, so I'm coming to you. Not because I'm good enough, but because of Jesus, I come to you. And I just ask you to lead me by your spirit. And listen, in the end, if that sounds like a lot, maybe it is just a little bit. Maybe it's, maybe it's a lot for us to fully grasp. But here's the thing. It ultimately comes down to the very first word Jesus says here. The very first word in verse 9. Pray. Pray. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I know I'm convicted when I think about my own prayer life. Prayer should be at the center of our daily walk because it's God. It's communion with God. It's talking to Him. All of the rest of this is kind of looking under the hood, Right? The important thing is that we pray. 
prayer is a daily breathing in and out, walking with the Father who created you. He desires you. He loves you. He pursues you. Pursue Him back. Pursue Him back. If this, if this grates on any, anyone, if this is a little much, my challenge for you this morning is to, to measure why it is. Is it, is it tough to swallow because it's not really centered on me? What does that mean? Pursue God. He is pursuing you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, you're the giver of every good gift. Uh, you care for us. You are in this place this morning. Uh, you've made yourself available to us. You could have just wiped the earth clean. And yet you continue to, to make the sun rise, to cause the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. You are providing our needs. We walk in common grace every single day. But Lord, we want more. We want more. We want the American dream. We want you to come through. God, forgive us when we treat you that way. Lord, you are our Father. You are good and gracious. You are holy and righteous and perfect in all your judgments. And so, God, help us to reorient our lives around your will, to make it the goal of our lives to seek after your purpose and plan in our lives and your glory. And God, may we, uh, may we be reminded as we come to you confessing our sin that it is Jesus who paid for our sin, that yes, we are broken, yes, uh, we are prone to wander, but you gave Jesus demonstrating your love for us. You got involved in the brokenness that is on this earth and that is in me. And ultimately, Lord, thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, guide us even as we leave this place. Bring this passage back to our recollection. Um, bring this message back to our recollection as we were reminded this week of who you are and what you've done. Uh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us first in Jesus' name.